episode of an earful in the emerald city thank you guys for being here we appreciate you well wherever you're at at the gym you know at the grocery store you know maybe maybe you're sitting getting your oil changed you know just looking to kill a little time we're great for killing time at a tire shop all right that magazine you've, you've read all that shit you don't even need to look at that but thank you guys for joining us uh we appreciate it got a good 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 episode for you today that was three times good okay keep that and keep that in mind people um i got a good friend of mine on the show comedian friend of mine she's got a list of credits that is just too long for me to even list okay you guys will have to check her out she's big on the not only on the Vegas comedy scene, but uh, making making rounds out in L.A. as well, you guys. Um, very funny friend of mine, Miss Angie Crum, in the house with me. Actually, you know what? She was uh, in my locale. She's doing a show weekend out in Tri-Cities. And, you know, she convinced me to come out. She tempted me with a seven, eight minutes of comedy. And, uh, you know, I couldn't say no. So... That's the way it goes around here, you guys. But uh, yeah, she joined me. Very funny gal. Good friend of mine, too, like I said. And uh, actually another comedian as well from L.A. I, th- I believe he runs a room in Ventura. Uh, pretty good room. Check him out, you guys. Billy Bats joining us as well for a little chit-chat, you know. Talk about uh, some comedy. Talk about life on the road. All that kind of stuff. Funny story. I don't know if we mentioned it during the episode. See, I don't even listen to them all every single time. Um, me and Angie, we actually met each other halfway around the world on the tiny party island uh, pronounced in America as Ibiza to the Europeans. It is Ibiza. Uh, yeah, met each other halfway across the world, basically, and uh, realized we're both uh, West Coasters living in some very progressive cities. And, uh, yeah, so been friends ever since, but, uh, have enjoyed my time with her and Billy, you guys, thanks for listening to us and I hope you enjoy. Just uh, do that for something you're, eh, you know, kind of like, enjoy, sort of. I admire that. I definitely, uh, that's one part about, like, doing comedy. It's like, 
the meritocracy of it eventually shows through, you know, like, yeah, there's people can slip through and you're like, that guy's not even funny. What the fuck? How did he get booked on this gig? But eventually if you're one of those people who just keeps showing up and just keeps banging away at it, like eventually you will rise to the top. It's just yeah. how many years is going to pass and how many shitty gigs are you going to have to do before you get to that point? Well, a lot of people don't realize that they see us on stage, and when they see us on stage, that's about 10% of the job. The rest of the percentage is on the road, and that's the real work. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I don't know about you guys. Are you guys, like, do you guys enjoy, like, solitude, like being by yourself? Or you, do you, are you kind of, like, is that weird for you when you're on the road? Um, I, I, you know what? I love being a social butterfly just as much as I like being alone. And it's, and it's good to be alone. It's like, it really helps you get in your head and work on your material. And just, you know, like, again, you said you had this 17 hour drive and you could have brought somebody with you, but you just wanted that time. You know, it's like just running things through your head. So yeah, it's, that's true. You you do do your best thinking when you're by yourself. And not only that, but it's like, uh, you know, everyone has their own issues. Like I have, uh, PTSD and stuff like that. So I love being on stage. I don't like being in the middle of big crowds and stuff. So the long drives and stuff, I love it because I get to be by myself in the hotel room stays. I get to be by myself, me and the Discovery Channel. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing too, it's like, you know, when you're when you're out there performing and then you talk to people after the show and whatever, it just takes so much energy out of you that like, yeah, we need the alone time just as much to just regather yourself and, you know, just re-energize. So, yeah, I'm like a very social recluse, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's I don't know. It's yeah, I think I think there is a lot of people like you, you know, who like to be social, but then enjoy. I mean, you kind of have to have it like that is where you recharge. Like I said, that's like where you do your best thinking, you know, because like at the end of the day, like I I enjoy or I I appreciate other people's um, criticism, you know, especially when it's constructive criticism. But at the end of the day, you got to be doing what you're doing for yourself and you got to know why you're wanting to do it. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to stick with it. Like, and the second you try to like take everybody else's critiques in and like change yourself too much, it's like, it's not even authentic at that point. And it's like, what do you, what are you even doing? You're just, you're up there and you're fucking faking it. You know, I had somebody yesterday telling me that I should work cleaner and I, I did try working clean for a couple years in there and I really fought myself over it. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Like, I'm just going to be me. And it's like, yeah, I'm dirty minded. I, you know, just you guys saw me perform like Billy, you know me really well. You know, it's like I got to be me. And it's like, sorry, I'm not going to come out and do clean comedy because you want me to. You know, it's like, you know, it's like how we all brand ourselves. You know, it's like so. And that's the other thing. It's like, yes, thank you for the advice. But if, if something happens that's funny and it's clean, fine, it's in. But I'm not going to go out of my way to write clean material because people think I should. They can eat my ass, you know, like. <laughs> I hate yeah. it when people do that. After shows or something, you have like an audience member come up and be like, you should do this, this and this. And it's like, you came to my job and this is what I do. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't go to your fry station and tell you when to pull out the <laughs> yeah. fries on time. Okay. Ooh, like, little leave too me much alone. salt. little too much salt. Yeah. yeah. I, I hate that. It's like someone came up to me yesterday after the show. And I think it was the same person that talked to you because we were standing together and said, 
you need to work on this some more. And I just kind of quietly walked away because, like, I know that would open up the floodgates for me to say what's on my mind. Yeah, yeah. And it's tough because there is sometimes, like, you know, everybody's brain works differently. So sometimes, like, you have a joke and somebody's like, well, maybe if you, like, just mentioned this one little part, like, that can be helpful. But, yeah, when they're, like, sitting there telling, like, trying to get your punchline, it's like, okay, come on. But, listen, they're they're doing an open mic on Tuesday. All right? Why don't you come by if you got so many ideas? Yeah, exactly. Why don't you go up on stage? Anybody can sign up. And that's what I told all audience member last night who was you did yeah Yeah. some audience member tried to say something for me from the crowd and i was like they do an open mic once a month i'd love to see you up here you know come by sign up you know (laughs) yeah yeah not now's not the time though that's a you know that's a tough one honestly i've I've been doing comedy for about three years never really had to deal with like a bad heckler before like i i don't even know if i could handle it to be honest i was just gonna ask how could you how could i don't i don't know i, I mean, love it i've never had to deal with it i encourage people to heckle me because i'm like yes please bring it on i'm like because as soon as you do that gives me the okay that the floodgates are open and i can say whatever i want to you exactly. and just shut that shit down but i love it i love hecklers i'm yeah. curious to know how you're going to handle it because that's like one of the true i'm gonna tests. heckle you when you're on well, stage I, tonight I was, I was gonna say if, I, if somebody gets rowdy in the back of the room tonight i know who it's gonna fucking be you like throw a water bottle at me <laughs> Shut up, really? bitch. Really? <laughs> in fact, when they call me on stage because I'm following you, I'm running from the back of the room because I'm going to be in the back with Andy. Yeah. <laughs> Cracking wise. Let's stop and go like, buy some of those beer pong uh, ba- uh, balls or whatever, and we'll just throw them at them. Oh, yeah, buy them. Let's use the used ones. Come on now. Come on, I wonder if they have them at them. the church function downstairs. <laughs> with the holy water on them? Yeah. Yeah, they're doing beer pong with holy water. <laughs> Oh, man. What was I going to say? I was just thinking of something. Um, We're talking about hecklers. Yeah. No. um, I don't. Who is the person who goes to a comedy show and then like just starts having a conversation with the comedian? Like, who are these people that think that's like a normal thing to do or it's okay? Like, those are the people that always wanted to be a comedian and they don't have the fucking balls to get up there and do it. But they, you know, they like to sit there and. And be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that was funny. That was, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. It's like, dude, you, again, there's an open mic at this particular club that we're at, you know, once a month, come down and sign up. You know, it's like, get your ass out of your seat and do it, you know, just. Either that or it was the unpopular kids in school, you know, the ones that want to vent out all their frustration to you and they yeah. don't know how to do it. So they go to a club to heckle a comedian. Yeah. Did you say unpopular? Unpopular. No, I would say it would be the ones that were popular because they've all turned into a bunch oh, of Al Bundys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ooh, good analogy, you know? actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're missing the glory days. Like, mm-hmm. That's like that's like the one upper too. You know, the one like oh, pff, this guy thinks he's fun. Oh, please, that's not even that funny. You should see me with my buddies at work. Oh man, you know, it's like eh, it's a little, it's a little bit different. You know, I actually on Facebook, uh, it suggested this guy to be my friend, and he was he made my high school experience hell. I hated this guy so bad, and I thought about sending a message and just saying, "Hey, I just wonder why you hated me." So he had no reason to, but I just was like for the purpose of a joke maybe i can get a good joke out of it send him a message be like hey i just want to know why you hated me so bad you know like i don't know just well no he lives in like indiana or something yeah and he's another one of those that like you know like now that we're all older it's like dude it's like you're old and fat now with your ugly kids and your fat wife you know go fuck yourself make him feel so much worse and make you feel so good to invite him out to a show and be like you teased me so long now look at me and look at you yeah. I'm up here. Everyone loves me. You're in the back and you're hated. Yeah. And I think know? he's like a plumber for a living or something. Yeah. Nothing knocking plumbers, but it's like, you know, somebody that had such big aspirations turned out to be nothing, you know? Yeah. But I bet those toilets look good. <laughs> <laughs> UCLA turned him down for football. Now he's doing plumbing. 
Yeah. If I, you know, if I ever did do a gig in that area, I would totally, you know, Face- invite him out. You Facebook know? suggests some of the weirdest people to you. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, we were just talking about this. But uh, yeah, it's it's so weird. Some of the suggestions like like my sometimes it'll suggest like my ex-girlfriend's boyfriend. It's like. Why would I ever want to uh, be uh, friends with this guy? Like, <laughs> what the fuck, Facebook? Are you kidding me? Like, you should I don't like want to talk to this guy. You should like friend him and be like, "Hey, man, how's my dick taste?" <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. exchange <laughs> notes like girls do in the bathroom. God, I have nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing to say to this man. Nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> or give him like bad advice of things that she likes. Yeah, yeah. She loves it when you slap her in the face with your own stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's slap her across the face with your dick. Sugar smacker. Yeah. She, she <laughs> sugar <laughs> smack. <laughs> She really loves to be fisted in her ass. She's yeah. uh, she won't tell you. She won't bring it up to you. But you just got to do it. You just got to do it. You just got to go for She's it. She's gonna you tell know? you no, but just keep going. <laughs> yeah, but that's all part of the fun. That's all part of the fun. Yeah. Though. She I wants to it... see if you could take charge when she says no. Just do it. Yeah. 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 She, yeah just she, hold she, her. She really wants to see you go get her at it. Hold her like a hand puppet. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Speaking of hand puppets, you guys watch America's Got Talent? Yes. Have you seen? No. Do you see the re- most recent season with the the chick, the little girl that won? How crazy. Like, okay, not that that's not an impressive quality to be able to, to be like a good ventriloquist. And she, and she was good. Like she was singing even. She would even like sing songs and she's like, you know, hitting these high notes and she's got this face like, ah, you know, doing that one. And it's like, but I mean, how long can you go for that? How long can that go? Like just doing, I mean, having a puppet say all the weird and ridiculous stuff for you. Like, I don't know. It's just like the weirdest activity in my head. I can't even like. How old is she? I think she's like a teenager, probably like 13 or 14, probably. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I know the show's called America's Got Talent, and kids are a part of America, but I feel so bad when kids win because they haven't hit puberty yet, and they don't realize that voices change. And yeah, females' voices don't change much, That's but true. you know, once they, once they change, that can mess them up and really screw them up in the head. That's true, yeah. Plus, when you're like a kid, like, you know, if you went on the show like that, and, you know, who knows, maybe you did hit it, and then you fizzle out, like... That's going to be weird to live with the rest of your life knowing that you peaked when you were like 16 years old. Right. And you're just like completely like constantly on the downward. Yeah. Like, you know, like I, 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 I'm still bouncing off the bottom at this point. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm waiting like 20, 30 years out. I'm going to be, I'm going to finally get there. You know, it's going to be a little time. But look how long it took for George Carlin. That's true. That's yeah. Fair. I was just watching one of his uh, old stand-ups. That guy's fucking hilarious. God, he was the best. Yeah, Absolutely the best. He's He was what pushed me into comedy. I watched him when I was 14, and I knew that I was going to be a comedian when I grew up. Wow. Yeah. It was Henry, Henry Rollins for me. Yeah, I like Henry Rollins. Yeah. Brilliant storyteller, musician. I come from music, too, so that's what pushed me. I was like, that guy could rock out, then go on stage, make people laugh. That's what I want to be. That's I, I appreciate those guys who um, – what's the – What's the one guy? Is like is his name is Bo or something? He's a piano player. I don't know. There's one guy, but he'll he'll like sing and do a song, and then it's like a funny song too. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, this guy has got some fucking talent. Nice like, yeah. to be able to play an instrument and then make like catchy and clever lyrics, and then have them be funny all at the same time. It's like holy shit. Um, have you ever heard of the guy named Richard Cheese? He came out of Vegas. I think I've heard of him. Yeah. Yeah. He he used to just be like a local lounge act, and he blew up fast because he does all the little. You know, like he'll do like a like a heavy metal song on a piano, you know, it's like but then he does put his own little funny things in there stuff, too. So, yeah, it's like he goes all over the place now. Sir Mixlots, Baby Got Back, Ice Ice Baby, some Uh, down with the sickness. He does that one. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's good. Yeah, that's uh, playing an instrument. What do you play? 
I played drums. You're all oh, your oh nice drummer. Yeah. That's where it's at. Yeah, I like beating things up. It it is good. It is good for aggression, man. You just fucking pound the shit out of it. That's pretty fun. That's uh that's kind of fun because you like don't have to be great to like be able to do a little beat, you know, and get a little something going. Like you can't just like go to the piano and it's like start like playing Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, you know, and just kind of winging it. No, you can't do that. Like, but at least with the drums, you can just start fucking whacking the shit out of them. And right. like, eh, you know, it's kind of, you do need a coordination and a lot of people don't have that. Yeah. Now yeah. was that influence from animal from the Muppets? No, no, not at all. Now that I, <laughs> but now that I look like him with the way my hair is growing, <laughs> <laughs> got to learn to talk like him now. Yeah. Kind of like Sandy. Uh, oh my <laughs> God. You got a cigarette. <laughs> we went, went to go see her later tonight. Invited to the show. Sandy's our uh, waitress at Denny's over here in a town we're in, and she talks like this. And yeah, she had a carton of cigarettes and washed down with battery acid for lunch. Yeah, she's one <laughs> step away from a trach. She is one of the most successful people in this town, too. Yeah, yeah, she's a legend. Yes, she is. That's pretty funny. We got uh, Denny's and Walgreens, and Denny's is open all night. Walgreens, eh, not so much, you know. Yeah, you, I mean, these there's a Walgreens and a Rite Aid right next door here to the hotel, and it's like they don't open until what eight eight a.m. Yeah. It's yeah. like you'd think they'd open like at six or seven. I mean, there's a lot of old people here, you know. They... Yeah. One would be 24 hours just for competition purposes. Yeah, right? That's true. Yeah, pushing the other guys to the limit. Maybe that's why uh, Denny's is open 24. Maybe Sherry's is down the road and they're closed from 12 um, to 6. Are the Walgreens in um, Seattle open 24 hours? Uh, it depends on where you're at. Oh, okay. It depends on where you're at, some of them. Like, we're, like our city's weird. It's like we kind of got that big city thing going, but we're kind of faking it too. You okay. Know? Like we're not really there. Like I can't even imagine, like I, I haven't been to LA for super long, but I can't even imagine being in a city like that big, like, like Seattle, you can, if you're on the freeway, you can drive through it in, you know, five, six minutes, maybe, you know, and, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not that big. I just, really. yeah. Imagine it to be bigger than that. Yeah. Well, that's well, what the city she said. Going deep. Like you could drive through it within five, six minutes going a long ways on a freeway. But if you get off, is it like going deep? deep like a far uh, away you know not not too far to be honest because like there's the uh there's the water like if you go down far enough it's like there's the pier there and everything so and then on the other side there's lake washington so it's like kind of like uh smushed in between the two but but yeah i don't know like what like what's it like for you guys like how how hard is it to like get into the city like is that kind of a big process from where you guys are located depends on what time of day it is yeah la is all about what time of day it is yeah depends on how the 405 is looking well, the 405 is really far. Like, I always take the uh, the 210 and the 134. And and I, I live next to the 405, so there's different times for the freeway. Yeah. You know. Like, the 405 sucks, the 5 sucks, uh, the 101 sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless it's late at night, it, it really... Like, when I lived in Vegas, I never understood why comics from L.A. would come into town, uh, do a show, and then they would immediately get in their car and drive back. And they're just like, well, yeah, but there's not going to be any traffic. They're like, if we drive back now, we'll actually get home at a decent time, you know, whatever. And now that I live in L.A., I'm like, I totally get it. Like, I would do the same thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Does it feel like in the city, does it, like, do you, are you constantly reminded of the fact that there's way too many people in this world? Like, is that a constant reminder for you or you just kind of, yes. you just kind of live with it and you don't even think about it? Yes. Like, especially when a freeway's packed and stuff or you're sitting at a stop sign and waiting to take a turn and everyone's just, you know, not letting you in. It's like, stop producing people. Let's just <laughs> stop yeah. for a while. Population control. It's just stop it. Yeah. Give it 10 years. Maybe. Just, yeah. There's just too many fucking stupid people out there and they just should not even be driving. Like, it's just, it's so bad. And, um, 
Oh, what else was I going to say? Something about L.A. Something about, oh, we were talking about this the other day. It's like, I don't understand how people live in L.A. and they're just like barely making it by. Like you'll have like a bunch of people living in like a one or two bedroom apartment, you know, and it's like, did it ever occur to you to maybe move three hours away to somewhere like Las Vegas where you can make money and the cost of living is cheaper? It's like it doesn't even like cross their minds. It's like, but they're busting their ass to barely get by in L.A., you know, it's like. Especially if you're not, if you're in the entertainment business, definitely be in LA. But if you're not, get the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> there's I mean, too many people on the freeway. You're wasting our time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what yeah. other what other big purpose is there to live in LA? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the weather's nice, like almost the entire year. So I mean, that's good, you yeah. know. But well, as a single guy, I could tell you that there's new coming broken actor wannabe actresses coming <laughs> off the bus every day. So that's a reason. That's true. Yeah, that's definitely a reason. Hey, right what there. do you guys call comedy groupies in Seattle? Um, we don't really have a name for it. We call them chuckle, chuckle fuckers. fuckers. Chuckle fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Buy them. Yeah, that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. We don't. Uh, you can use that. All right. We don't. Uh, we don't have that big. I don't think the scene's quite big enough. You know, like to have that kind of level of people like following around. I mean, there's you know, there's usually some uh, regular faces at certain shows, but uh, it should be like that. When it's a smaller community, you think it like. The girls want to get to you more because it's harder to get to you. But when there's more comics around, you think it's more accessible, you know? Well, in Vegas, when I first started doing comedy, I was running and I, I basically had like done a couple of shows and then this guy approached us about um, running an open mic night, you know. So back then there was maybe eight comedians in Vegas, you know. And this isn't even this isn't even the strip. This you know because the strip always just brings people in, usually yeah. from out of state, you know. But so back then it's like there was like no scenes. So it's like my like my room like really just like launched a lot of people's careers because also it was the only room to go and do stand up. You know, it's like and even then we even though like the scene started, we started getting, you know, 20, 30, 40 more, you know, comics or whatever. You still and the thing with Vegas, there's so many strippers that it's like the girls that aren't hot enough to strip anymore go to comedy because it's mostly a male you know, dominated thing. So it's like they want the attention. So like they just want to get up there and play the look at me game. They're just trying to get fucked, you know? And it's like, yeah, there's so many chuckle fuckers in Vegas. It's like, yeah, these girls come around. They get passed around between a few comics. They get on stage a couple times and then you never see them again. Those are the broken souls I'm looking for. Yeah. Well, then on top of that, they, you know, they usually get knocked up by one of them. And it's like, dude, I'm sorry, but comics are poor. Like, what are you doing, you dumb bitch? Just a disclaimer, I'm not like Weinstein at all. Just, just. Well, I am, so bring it on. You're a woman. It's different. All the guys were getting busted, so I had to make a disclaimer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It's like I I would like like a sexual harassment thing to come out against a woman. Like how, I know uh, that's I'm waiting for like it. Jennifer Aniston's character in um, Horrible Bosses. Like yeah. you know, you know, there's women out there like that. So I would love a man to come out and be like, Yeah, she sexually she sexually assaulted me. You know, she <laughs> she locked me in a room and made me watch her touch herself. Said no guy ever. Yeah, you but, know, but you know, it's not going to be an attractive woman because no guy's going to come out and be like that hot. Girl, right there, made me touch her. Yeah, it's gonna no be way. some greasy. Not if he wants it to happen ever yeah. again. Yeah, I know. I've, I've been waiting. I know. I've, I was thinking the same thing the other day, but I was like, it's not gonna happen though. It's like a Mexican standoff. Like nobody wants to be the first. You well, know, when you're a guy, <laughs> think about it. It's like the kids that are getting you know touched by the teachers in school. You know, it's like first of all, where were those teachers when I was in school? Because that would have been amazing. But. It's the parents complaining. The kids are like, why are you complaining? This is amazing. Yeah. You know, so yeah. no one's going to come out and be like, that hot girl right there made me touch her. Well, did you see that video of Demi Moore that was going around? No. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to have to show you. My sister sent it to me. It was back in the 80s, probably around the time that she was filming like St. Elmo's Fire and stuff like that. 
But she uh, goes, it's some like kid, like 12, he looks like Wormser from uh, Revenge of the Nerds. So this young, like 12 year old kid. And um, she goes up and basically like fringe kisses him for his birthday. And it's like, hi, right there. That's fucking, that's fucking pedophile right there, Demi Moore. And they're trying to say that um, it was his 18th birthday. I was like, there's no fucking way that that kid is 18. I'm gonna have to show you guys. Yeah. Look at the guy she's into. They're all younger. I know. Well, hey, maybe that's what it was. Maybe she was trying to. Yeah, but she was with Bruce Willis, you know. Yeah. Well, that would that would probably make her switch into younger guys right there. But yeah, I'm going to have to show you the video. It's pretty gross. Yeah. Why is it that all those teachers that you see that are fooling around, the female teachers that are fooling around with the kids, why is it like every single one of them is like a seven or better? Like, I don't get that at all. What, the teacher or the kid? The teacher. (laughs) The kid. (laughs) Yeah, these kids are hot. (laughs) Well, that's what the teacher's thinking. Yeah. I don't get I don't get that though. It's so weird to me. Like you could go to any bar, put on a pair of high heels, and you're you're gonna have a guy by the end of the night. But yet you gotta fuck some twelve year old kid who's here to study science. Like it's just insane to me. Maybe it's a way to keep him his mind focused on class. That's maybe it is. Maybe yeah. these teachers are just really into their job. Exactly. Yeah, like, she's like, you want an A in your class? You need to work for it. Yeah, exactly. she's like, she's like, how do I get through to this kid? Uh, Blowjob. That might work. That might yeah, work. right. I notice you've been a little distracted. Look between my legs. Read page yeah. three, and yeah. then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, right. She's like, I have a cheat sheet right here. It's like, it's like Chris Farley and Billy Madison. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so funny. Um, yeah, it's like these, these women, I was going to say something else and I forgot. My brain is like fried right now. Um, I don't even remember. It was something about the women and the teachers or something. I don't know. It's like, you'd think it'd be like some hot for teacher fantasy, but it would be the other way around. You know, I don't know. It is crazy too. Like you're saying, like it's a complete double standard, like depending on the situation, like, like if it's your son who's, you know, getting taken advantage of by his teacher, you're like. Uh, like you don't want to like you know high five him necessarily. I was say, imagine but how the dad feels. It, it, well, it, that's a, yeah, it's a weird spot. But well, the dads are always like the right on, like, but the moms yeah. are the ones that are complaining. You know, the dad's like, my son's straight. Yes, yeah, you know? yeah. He's like, thank, thank God, thank God. He's like under the table, fist bumping. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, like scolding him, son? and then he's yeah. winking at him later. Yeah. yeah. So how was but, it, boy? And after the court case, you know, the dad's like, don't worry about your mom doing this afterwards. We'll get you a hooker. It's okay. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, there was that one teacher that. She she got busted for sleeping with her student, went to prison, got out, and they got married. Wow. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. In, that was in Washington. Kay Letourneau or whatever. Mary Kay Letourneau, I think. Something, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was Utah. They uh, they they broke up, though. They ended up having a kid afterwards. and then they Oh, yeah. Up. I think she was getting back with her original husband, too, after wow. that, I think. After, like, 10 or 15 years or something. Like, wow. Um. I We were talking about doing shows in weird places, you know, and I was telling you about the Swingers Club, so... There was uh, an interesting story there. There was, okay, a couple was married, and he divorced her because he wanted to tranny over into being a woman. And uh, what was it? So something basically like like he ended up getting a sex change and becoming gay or something. I don't know. And then she ended up getting a sex change and became a man. Long story short, after they both changed genders, they ended up getting back together. Oh, my what God. What the fuck? You're just as crazy yeah. as me. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's This is what I don't get. I, I don't get – and I'm, I, I have been this guy in the past, to be honest, at, at times, but – what I don't get is these people who like get a divorce, you know, or whatever. Like that's obviously the more serious. I was going to say, in my case, just break up with somebody, and then like 
try to be friends afterwards. Like the, as like somebody who just dated, that's one thing. But like, like when you're married to somebody and then like you're friends with them, like it's like, why, why'd you guys get a divorce? Like you shouldn't be hanging out with your ex like this. There was no reason to ever, like I, somebody was talking, my, I think it was one of my brother's friends. And he was talking about how he got divorced a couple years ago and he like has a really good relationship with his ex and they like hang out and like drink wine and shit together. It's like, just you should have stayed together. Like what? What the no. hell even happened here? No. Well, first of all, the friend zone should not exist. Bullshit. Anyone, no, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. Uh. Uh-uh. No, all right, go okay. ahead. I'm gonna let you get it out, and then I'm yeah, gonna say my thing. Because you know, you know, I'm going through it right now. Where my girl that just broke up with me wants me to be in the friend zone. It's like, no, I have plenty of friends. Any guy that's foolish enough to take on a, a friend from a girl that just broke up with you, you are putting yourself in a position where you are constantly reminded, like. I was able to touch her, and now I can't touch her. I was able to do this, and I can't do that. And you are going to put yourself through so much pain that's not even worth it. So it's best just to kick back and let her either kick rocks or come back to you. Yeah. Yeah, but what if it was the other way around? What if the feelings faded for you, and you're like, look, I think you're an awesome person, but just the sexual feeling's not there for me anymore. Well, then you're still doing damage because then she is still going to want to, you know, fool around and stuff. And you're going to fool around and it's going to lead to more drama because she's going to put more pressure on you. And then you still don't have those feelings. So how are you setting yourself up in that situation? Well, okay. In my experience, um, I'm friends with everybody I've ever dated except for one person. And um, yeah, thanks for that. And well, again, it's like, so this is a great subject to bring up. It's like, and it's one of those things where it's like, hey, you know what? It's like, in my case, in in there's two different relationships I'm thinking of. The sex just kind of dwindled; it faded, and that's a big deal to me, you know. And so I was with both of them. I was like, look, we get along great in every way. I'm like, but, and they both were just like, yeah, I'm sorry. I know I can't satisfy you the way you want to be and so but one of them he ended up moving downstairs into the spare bedroom and we were roommates for four years and he is like my best best friend in the whole world and then the other one is the sculptor guy that I bring to your shows all the time he is one of my best friends and I was like look I was like the sex part isn't there and we hang out almost every day he's one of you know and then on top of that my parents were married for 40 years they got a divorce two weeks later they became roommates and they still live together and they don't have sex but the thing is my parents got together when they were like 20 so they don't know how to live without each other Yeah, you know it's like and they're like hey we had three kids together they owned a business together so they worked together as well they were around each other 24 7 for 40 years so it's like yeah, yeah they That's gotta be but crazy. my parents when they got the, the divorce i have never even to this day i've never seen them happier so let me ask you this okay yeah so you became friends with their exes they were cool with that so the masculinity part of it coming from a guy uh when they're in a relationship and they're doing everything they can they can to keep their power in masculinity right when you become friends with them and you're able to do whatever you want in front of them, do you still look at them like they still have that power of masculinity? I still look at them like they are a man, but I mean, I'm, I mean, it's different for everybody. I'm a natural right. alpha female. So like, I don't look at them ever in a sexual way. You know, it's like, and even like the one ex, we would sit around and get drunk and nothing, like nothing sexual would ever even happen. You know, it's like, and if he met somebody, I would give him advice or say, Hey, why don't you try out this mover? I'm like, Hey, I'm like, you're really good at going down. I'm like, you should do that to her. Like, like we could speak openly to, you know, I don't know. It's just. So, so your roommates though, your roommates, and this is where it comes down to your roommates. And so you're obviously seeing other people, so they're coming to your house. You're yeah. banging. You're having fun and stuff. Yeah. Right in front. 
front of this guy because uh-huh. you're roommates. You don't look at him and be like, you're less of a man because you're not getting jealous. You're not standing up because you used to have all this and that's not bothering you. No, it didn't bother him. I asked him that. Um, the other thing, too, when he and I broke up and he moved and we, we just became roommates, um, I almost immediately started dating uh, that comic from Vegas that I was telling you about. And um, that went on for almost two years. So it's like after the roommate's name was Tony. So after Tony and I broke up, I started dating Kevin. And so for two years of Tony and I being roommates, it was just the same guy, you know? And, but then after Kevin and I broke up, I mean, it, you know, it was like a fucking revolving door in my bedroom for a while, you know? So, but by then Tony didn't care and Tony was bringing girls home and, uh, you know, it's like it, 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 I don't know. It's just like one day I woke up and I said, I said, Hey, do you want to just move down in the spare room and be roommates? And he goes, I've been trying to think of a way to ask you the same thing. So it was mutual. I got really wow. lucky. Yeah. I fucking love him. I miss him. That's interesting. I guess, I, I guess that does make sense though. I guess if like the, you know, the sexual aspect of it is just like kind of fading away and then everything else is like, you know, pretty solid, but yeah, that's like kind of one of those things you can't really get past it. Well, so. it's like when you, when you look at the relationship and evaluate it, it's like, wow, like I really, really get along with this person, but sexually we're not compatible. So why do we have to just cut each other out of our lives just because we're not going to be boyfriend, girlfriend anymore. It's like we can be mature enough and be friends as long as it's mutual. You know, yeah. Yeah. that's why Kevin and I can't be friends because he he can't he can't be my friend. There's still right. something there in his head. You know, so let me ask you this. So say you're with somebody physically. It's amazing. But the relationship part, ship part isn't there. So you decide to take a step back. Could you still be friends with that person? If you were just like, if if the physicality part was just great, the sex was amazing, could you still sit around there and be like, you know what, I I want that and I can have it, but it'd be awkward. Um, what do you mean, like, uh, like if we don't get along well, but the sex is amazing? Is that right. what you're saying? Um, then they just turn into a fuck buddy. I mean, it's like, look, I can't stand being around you, but I like what you got going on there. So um, let's have some sex and you go back to your life. And I have one in, in L.A. right now. Anytime I need some sex, I call him. Other than that, I really don't like being around him. Like, well, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. We go out dancing a lot and he's a cool guy, but... That's dancing and sex. That's all I want from him. Like when he well, tries dancing to spend, leads to sex. Well, yeah, when, yeah but when he tries to spend that at my dirty, house, dirty I'm just dancing. like, I'm just like, no, I'm like, you came over here to fuck me. You're done. Go, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. So, but again, it's like, it's, I guess it's, it just depends on the situation, but I don't see why you can't be friends with somebody that you dated as long as it's mutual and. You know, again, Jason, I mean, he and I broke up a year and a half ago and he comes to my he comes to every single one of your shows that I perform at, you know? Yeah. yeah. He's cool, you know? I guess it's just different for everybody, you know? I mean, I, I like to, you know, me personally, when I, after I date somebody, like I just, the weirdest thing in the world to me is the fact that like somebody for a while was like so important to you. Like that was like the most important person in your world. And now you can't even be in the same room as them. Like that just, that's so weird to me. That, that, that feels like, like it makes me feel like I'm bad at being a good person, you know, See, at that and, point. Well, that's something that then that relationship ended badly then. But that, that's why I'm saying the friend zone is terrible because if you accept it from that girl and you feel like that, that that's where you're setting yourself up for failure because you still have those feelings for her and you know she doesn't want to be you know touched in that way or you can't be in the same room with her and you have that anxiety every time you see her. Why put yourself in that situation? See, now that's different. Like that's I think that's why me and Kevin can't be friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think there's still something there. You know, it's like, um, but you know, in your situation, it's like 
like, um, say like, uh, you know, you guys don't get back together and she wants to be your friend and say, say like you get back to LA and you meet another girl that makes you completely forget about this other girl that you've been talking about. And then from there, you see her in a completely different light and go, you know what? Yeah, I can be your friend. You know why? Because I don't like you anymore. I like her. If you really, really, because you said you dated her like eight years ago. So if you really, really, truly get along with her deep down as a friend and you're like, you know what? I really like hanging out with her and it has nothing to do with sex. Then, yeah, you could be her friend, but you got to get over her first. But even even if I get like there's plenty of girls I got over, but I still can't be in that friend zone. It's weird. Like, it, if, okay, again, so, it's different for everybody. So, yeah, but. so yeah. like, if I start out sexual, this got real deep, real quick. But if, <laughs> <laughs> Do you want some tissue? But if, if, I, <laughs> if, if I start out sexually strong with somebody, okay, like, there's plenty of females in my life that are friends. Don't get me wrong. But if I start out, you know, we're we're having great sex and it's a physical connection as well. You know, it's like it's you, you can't step back from that. And even years later, you know, it's it's just it's awkward. Again, you know, I think it's different. Okay, one thing else, one else, uh, one other thing I will add: the two exes that I, you know, became friends with or whatever, um, we never had a very explosive in the bedroom. You know what I mean? It's right. like, yeah, it was all right, but it wasn't like holy fuck. You know, it's like, right. so that's that's different. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, when you have that strong sexual connection, like, ow. Because um, I don't know if I could be friend. You know, it's like again, it's like just. But if you have that strong sexual connection, it's like then. Yeah. Again, if you don't want to date them anymore, it's like then just sleep with each other and go about your life, you know? It, yeah, because years later, even if you become friends with her, I mean, just uh, – and she brings her new boyfriend around, you know? It's like at that point, it's like, you know, yeah, we're cool. We're friends. You know, I don't have that sexual desire for her anymore, but it's still thinking – that guy, you know, is boning her or whatever. And I can't, you know. <laughs> but again, I mean, if you, if you had, like, mind-blowing sex with her, then, yeah, that's, you know, like. Um, but the other thing, too, I mean, you got to look at it in the aspect, like, yeah, I rocked her world. Let's see if you can measure up, motherfucker. You know what I mean? Look at yeah. it and put yourself on a pedestal and be like, yeah, you wish you could have some more of this. Yeah. You know, he's the freaking, you know, he doesn't even get on the podium. You know, you're the Olympic fucking gold medalist, you know, <laughs> like. Put yourself in that ass. You know, look at yourself that way. Because I know I do. <laughs> well, I know I'm Zeus in the bedroom, so I don't have anything to worry about that. Oh, the lightning bolts? The yeah. stinger. <laughs> the stinger, yeah. Talking about naming your junk. The stinger. Oh, yeah, he right. named his junk that's the stinger. Right. The What's nice. the name for yours, Aaron? The Seahawk? Sea uh, <laughs> chicken, actually. So you don't have the, the beak going down. It's just a straight point. Uh, Basically, yeah. <laughs> and it squawks. I, no, there's a little, it's actually a little up curve. It's a little bit of an up curve, you know? <laughs> you do realize the chicken is the female, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just want to point that out. Yeah. yeah. The sea no, rooster. No, I'd, uh, I don't know. The, the whole friendship thing is weird to me, though. It's, uh, What's really weird to me is like just like strictly uh, like plutonic friends, like g- guy and girl, especially like, I mean, I have a handful of good female friends, you know, and, and I'm and I'm for the most part, I'm glad I have them as friends in my life. But there is times when I'm dealing with some drama or some BS and I'm just like, why do I even bother with this? Like, why, why do we're not we're not going to go drink beers at the bar we're not gonna go talk about chicks you know we're not gonna go talk about nice like what what is the point of this you know what are we even doing here like and i talked to some of my buddies about it and you know the ones who are like in relationship stuff like they don't have any plutonic 
female friends, you know, like, like, like literally zero, you know? And so I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't know where that fine line is. You know I mean? It's good to have that influence in your life, but we'll put it like this, whenever Angie's around, we're, we're, we're friends like that. And it's good to have a female friend like that because I know we could go out to a bar and you would be a great wingman for me. Yeah. Wing woman. Wing yeah. woman. Yeah. A great wing woman. And if, you know, if, if I see her that she likes somebody, I'll step up and be a wingman for her. Yeah. I mean, so it's important to have, you know, a female in your life to be just friends with. And I mean, someone that you could talk to about other things that you can't talk to about your boys and stuff like that. And just, yeah, it's, it's very important. Yeah, it definitely is. It's you got to have a couple of those. I just uh, I wonder where that fine line is. You know? uh, most of my most of my the people that I hang out with most of the time, most of my best friends are guys, and I've never slept with any of them. Mm. And they treat me like like I'm a guy. You know what I mean? And yeah. and also my dad raised us like boys. You know, we we hunting and fishing. And they own automotive repair shops, so like we were changing tires and doing oil changes and stuff like that. So it's like. I just I think girls are stupid, you know. It's like besides the girls that I grew up with and here or there, it's like I really don't have a lot of female friends. Like right. I, you know. So it's like yeah, but it's like you know, just like you were saying, we can go out and we can party. You can talk about anything with me, vice versa, you know. And uh, that's how it is with all my guy friends, you know. So, but yeah, it's like so I have mostly male friends. And I can imagine for you, it's harder <laughs> to find female friends in this industry because it's very male dominated, and there's well, a lot of females in it, but. You know, they're insecure. not all like you. Like you, yeah, they're, yeah. They're insecure. They, um, they're just backstabbing. They're two faced. They're they're jealous. You know, it's like, and again, it's like, sorry. You know, it's yeah. like go go work on you. You know, like. I think that's a symptom of being like a alpha female in your case. I think it is. I think a lot of those types of personalities, I think they just like to be around men uh, more or less, you know, like, yeah. you, you know, you can talk, you can say whatever, you know, you don't give a shit about all that, you know, you're not gonna get offended by something one of the dudes says, you know, and I, yeah, I think exactly. that is, there is something to be said about that. Yeah. You know, but everybody needs a little crumb in their life. Exactly. <laughs> Man, you got the name. You got the name play on lock. I got to oh, tell know. you, I love be- better than anybody. I've been, I've, I've had it for almost forty years. So <laughs> hell yeah, I, oh yeah. Even like stuff like uh, people say creme de la creme. We say creme de la creme. Like you know, oh my gosh, yes. I have so much name play on my on my last name. I love it. The only name play I get is uh, people that say, "Are you that guy that shot Alexander Hamilton?" Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> That's <laughs> what they say. Have you ever seen the milk commercial? Mm-mm. Oh, where the guy's eating the brownie? This was a long time ago. This was like a decade ago. And he's trying to answer the trivia question. Oh, yeah. The uh, manager of the comedy club last night was like, Aaron Berg. He was like, uh, I think he's performed here before. I said, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I haven't even been here. Yeah. yeah. You do have a catchy name, though. It's it's all about syllables. You know, Aaron Berg, Billy yeah. Bats, Angie Crumb, you know. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Three. It three, rolls off the tongue nicely. Yeah, three you know? is kind of the word. Yeah. yeah. Pops. That's the problem. That's the problem with Russians. You know, you can't have like eighty-seven vowels in a row for your last name. All right. Yeah. Like, nobody wants to say that. That's that's too much. Yeah. Come on. Just I have a friend to the point. I have a friend that's Russian, and he's he's lucky though. His last name's Dembski, Dem- so it's oh, not yeah. that bad. Yeah. yeah. But at, his first name's Igor. <laughs> look at uh, Gwen Igor. Stefani. She's originally she has an Armenian last name. It's Gwen Stefanian. Stefanian. Yeah, but uh, she she switched it up to Stefani because it's easier to say. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. I have a friend that's an author and uh, his last name is one of those really long Italian last names and he chopped it in half for the cover of his book. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about short and sweet, you know? Yeah. 
But again, know. it's I have a friend that's uh, <clears throat> he's been in entertainment forever, and he was like, yeah, he's like, because people ask me all the time, they're like, is that your real name or a stage name? You know, and I'm like, no, that's my real name. You know, it's like, but again, it just rolls off the tongue. And a lot of times, people, how many people go, oh, it's Billy Bats, it's Billy. Bats. They don't just say Billy, they say Billy Bats, Billy or Bats. you know, they always include. It's probably with you too, because it's again, it's just the way it comes out of your mouth, it rolls off right. the tongue nicely. You know, so it's memorable. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I I wonder how many people in Hollywood there are that are using like a, a fake name or a made up name or something like a lot of them you don't even realize it like like Jamie Foxx like you know that just that just sounds Tom Hanks like a di- Tom Hanks Tom really? Cruise La Cruz yeah. isn't his last name either oh really yeah. Tom Hanks has been a stage yeah that's a stage name oh no kidding yeah wow and Tom Cruise his last name is something totally different um Oh, what was I going to say about something about people performing in Hollywood, like the fake names or whatever? Oh, I know what it was. Um, when I used to run open mics in Vegas, uh, people would come in to sign up for an open mic and they'd be like, oh, I'm so-and-so and this is my manager. And I'm like, oh, like how long you been doing comedy? And they're like, oh, today's my first day. <laughs> and all the time, every single time somebody brought their manager in, it was their first time doing a show. And of course they suck and you never fucking see him again. And I had this one guy come in one time and he's just sitting there and he's, he wasn't performing, but he was the manager of some idiot. And he's just like, yeah, that was good. That was good. But he looked like, uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but he played Kanicki in Greece. You know, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, but he looked like him. So, of course, we were doing all these like Kanicki references to him and shit like that. I'm like, who the fuck do you think you are? I'm like, go back to Opportunity Village. Oh, by the way, Opportunity Village in Vegas is kind of like um, the the um, center for all the mentally handicapped people. So when you say Opportunity Village, it's like, you know, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's a good thing if and you perform in Vegas again, Opportunity Village. Yeah, I, I guarantee you that everyone that bought in their managers, it was probably their uncle or someone in their family <laughs> that wanted to help them out. And, yeah, and the manager was in the back writing other people's jokes down. Like you suck, but use this one. That one was funny, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, what is that? Is it a ploy to look like cooler than you are? I don't even get it. These are people that just automatically think like, "Oh God, you're so funny. You should be comedian." Da da da. I'll be your manager, and they like blow enough smoke up each other's asses that they're like, so they think that it's just going to be so easy because sitting around like this, like they're so funny. But then again, you get on stage, and it's like it's completely different, you know. And so, um, yeah, it's like again you never see those people again you know or i there might have been one guy that did keep coming back but of course the manager thing like fizzled out you know like people are so stupid like his manager dropped him i think they just automatically think that show business is just going to be so easy that they're just going to walk in and people are going to roll out the red carpet for you because you know again they just think they're such a big fucking deal or something you know a lot of these people come in thinking that they could do uh comedy because they make their family laugh exactly they, they don't realize the art form and a craft of going in front of strangers every night and having to make everyone come together in one mind to yeah. make them laugh. And it's, or you get the people that come in and get up on stage and they're doing all stolen jokes Yeah, and you yeah. have to call them out on it. You're like, dude, we, I'm sorry. Joke thieves are not yeah. like my dad. I, I mean, he's finally learning like how stand up goes, but he used to call me all the time. He's like, you know, Ralphie May, and uh, he'd be like, you know that Ralphie May joke? You know, if you tweaked it a little bit, Ange, uh, you could, you could, and I'm like, no, dad, like, that's not how, no, dad, like, and it, uh, he did it for years, and then finally, he, like, saw me perform a couple times, and he, like, he gets it now, but I'm like, no, I'm like, you know, joke thieves are not, like, that's like a huge no-no, you know? It's all about like, bringing people in your world and make, and shedding light on it. 
yeah through your perspective yeah and that's what a lot of people don't get yeah yeah that's all comedy is it's like you're taking something for me it's like stuff that actually happens in real life but you're taking this idea that's funny to you and you're just basically how can i convey this to them why this is funny and the more pain in it that uh that you dealt with for that joke the better it is yeah you know when he when he twists it around because a lot of people don't realize that through my experience, the psychology of uh, stand-up comedy to the audience members, they're escaping their problems for that hour and a half when they're there to see your. They want to laugh at your problems, not yeah. theirs. Yeah, so that that's why the darker the issue, the better it is. Yeah. So last night, you know, we had a pretty decent audience, or whatever. But I had that one table of people get up and walk out. Yeah. And it's like number one, when the host comes out and says, "This is the dirty girl of comedy." What the fuck do you think is going to come out of my mouth? Secondly. Exactly. Secondly, um, and I, I forgot to say this. I should have said this. I should have been like, hey, sorry you didn't like it. How do you think I feel? It actually happened to me. You know, yeah. like, yeah, you know, the guy's hair coming off in my hands when he's going down on me. That's a fucking true story. Like, all of it is, you know. It's like, so, just, but yeah, when people get up and walk out like that, I'm like, you know, I hope you slip on a piece of ice and fucking crack your head open, you dumb shit. Yeah, I hate it when people get offended over jokes and they go to a comedy club. It's like. Oh, that chick sitting in the yeah. front the other day. It's like the, the people that sit there and have, you might have gotten this at shows. They like like that make me laugh. The resting bitch make face. me laugh, yeah. and it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's like you paid admission to come into a comedy club. Yeah, to come and be a. Cunt. And now you're gonna be fucking offended over jokes. Yeah, it's a comedy club. We're telling jokes off of our experiences, so it you know don't get offended. There's it. It's it's a joke. Yeah. You know? Well, like yeah. you said, you're like, you you know, a lot of times you're exploring some kind of dark shit, you know, in your yeah. own personal life. And it's like, yeah, some weird stuff's going to come out, you guys. Like, yeah. yeah, who goes to a comedy show and gets offended or comes afterwards? I know you had that joke um, about homeless people, but I just think it was really incense. It's like, no, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. What are you even doing? I got, yeah. a, I got a great story about that. All right. So uh, a while ago, me and my She's best face friend. face light up when he said, yeah. he said that. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> You know Sandy, my best oh, friend. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not, not, the not, the, not yeah. that Sandy, though. Not, not this Sandy. <laughs> oh, um, she's your best friend, too, though, darling. <laughs> oh, so my best friend, uh, Sandy Stotts, a great comedian in L.A., He, um, me and him hosted this uh, theater, packed out, sold out theater in Ventura, California, which is probably burnt down right now. But um, <laughs> Right? Yeah. So it's a majestic, majestic theater, and it's a legendary theater. So we're doing this for the Ventura Police Department, raising money for them. And it's packed. And Johnny Cash's daughter's there, and she donates the shirt for us to raffle off that Johnny wore on stage with his guitar pick. And uh, we do this bit where I act a little mentally handicapped, and it's uh, a true story of how I almost got him arrested doing this character, and he got so annoyed he was beating me, and everyone was like, you're beating this poor mentally handicapped. So we do this whole act on stage, and afterwards we go outside, we're petting the dogs and hanging out with our police friends and stuff like that. And this woman comes up and starts grilling Sandy about how dare you, uh, you know, tease uh, mentally handicapped kids. That's so unfunny and just taking it really serious. And then afterwards, like, she walks away and he finally calms her down. And he turns to the police officers and goes, so when do I get to meet Johnny Cash's daughter? And they're like, you just did. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> Well, shit. How about uh, what the what the um, uh, they they perform at your club all the time? Jed and Leland. Uh, what the hell? The Brothers oh, the Brothers 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 Band. So they're they're a musical act, but they do like raunchy yeah. comedy, you know. And but the one uh, 
I don't even what is he is this, I can't even remember which one is which but um and they're good they're really really good but Leland. uh Leland acts a little he slow. acts mentally handicapped and even when he's not on stage he still acts that way the whole night and so when I first met him I'm like who is this fucking guy you yeah. know and then like I had a couple business meetings with him and he shows up and I'm like Scotty I'm like what I'm yeah. like that you're the same person like he's like a clean cut like like somebody that shops at the Gap kind of guy, you know what I mean? It's like, but he, I should show you a picture because he plays it so good. Yeah, like, he looks like a mentally handicapped. He does, guy and just with, the looks on his face and the glasses. Yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> there's some. There's a guy that uh, hosts a lot of shows up in Seattle. His name is His name is Skippy Sprinkles, and he he has a TB. Skippy <laughs> Sprinkles. Yeah, he, he's he, here. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Basically, it is. But apparently, something happened to him when he was a kid, and he uh, he had a TBI, a traumatic brain injury. And you know, like it's funny. Like you'll see him on stage, and he like he definitely plays it up. You know, like oh, get it together, Skippy, and like spank himself on the ass and stuff. And then he, and then he gets off stage, and he's just like eh, just this normal guy. You know, he's like kind of quiet actually. Like doesn't really say a lot. And you're just like, and everybody's kind of, at first. Everybody was kind of like. Is he just making all that up just for his act? Is he making up the whole TBI yeah. thing? Yeah. yeah, that kind of worked. But I, I don't think he is because I actually saw he shaved his head one day and I, he did have a scar on his head. So, but it's just funny. That's like some people. It's like it, it's just a complete. Yeah, it's just like a, a complete act, you know. Yeah, which, which and, I'm not, and I'm not saying that in a bad regard. I mean, hey, if you got a shtick and you got something that works, whatever, go with it. Yeah, but it's just like the, the tale of two cities, well, you know. A perfect word for an act, and people don't realize that when they come up and they take our joke seriously, or you know, it's an act. You know, yeah. we're taking, you know, ten to twenty percent of the story that we went through and putting it in there, and the rest just putting punchlines and tags in it, and that's it's it's all an act. Yeah, yeah. I mean. A lot of times you're up there and you're trying to be funny and you're doing your best to say maybe the most fucked up thing that you can. You know, like a lot of times you're trying, what, what is the most ridiculous, most fucking insane thing I can say? And that's what you're kind of going with a lot of times. Well, the other thing too, it's like when you start doing comedy and the longer you do it, it's like you you train your mind to just automatically, every single thing you do, every situation, it's like, you know, as the input comes in, it's like, how is this funny? How is this funny? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, and again, like just keep life interesting. And it's like the, the comedy will write itself, you know, just, um, yeah, it's like just the mind of a comic, the way you think, the way it works, you know, it's like. <clears throat> yeah do do you don't don't write for the people write what you're going through yeah exactly if, if if you write what they think is funny it's not going to come out funny oh, because God. the whole you know because you didn't go through that if you if you write what you experienced the context is going to come out the way it's supposed to and people will laugh because you don't look confused because yeah. you're not trying just to please them yeah, you know. Yeah, good luck guessing what other people think is going to be funny. Like, pff, what kind of fucking sick game is that? There's no way you're going to pull that shit off. You know, right. like I don't even know. Sometimes I'm not even sure why I, I think things are funny. You know, how how the hell am I going to get in somebody else's brain and yeah. you know try to figure out what they're thinking? Is no. Right. Yeah, you just gotta whatever you think in your life, and you, again, you just gotta do your best to convey that to everybody else and make them see it from your fucking weird and twisted perspective. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I was uh, when we were talking with <clears throat> Dave yesterday, he uh, I don't know. What did he say? My my stand up is he lets me get away with it because I'm brash or something, something like I don't know. But I've had clubs tell me they're like, yeah, they're normally we won't let somebody as dirty as you perform here. But we can tell the way you deliver it that this stuff actually happened to you. Right. And so it it almost like softens the blow of how dirty it is. And I don't even think it's that dirty. My God, I've been holding back on how dirty I can get. You know, it's like, but you have. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. I There's missed a... that part of your act. Yeah. Yeah. No. Like there was a couple stories last night that I could have thrown out there. I'm not even telling them at your room because it's just too dirty for people. Like it's like unless people really, really want it. I mean, right. I there's some stuff like that I just don't tell. You unless know, you're at, like the dirty. But it's hilarious. It's supposed to be a dirty and filthy show. Exactly. Yeah. When you know, or like Mir Tori has the dirtiest show on earth. Right. You know, God, that's a fun show. <laughs> um, Do you ever feel like? Do you ever feel like you kind of get uh, thrown into uh, stigmatized as a woman, you know, and you're doing kind of crude material? Do you ever feel like, I don't know, do you feel like it just uh, like it works against you ever? Um, I mean, I, is there is there some kind of standard set as far as how, you know, a woman should do comedy? There, it's it's so mixed reviews. It depends on it depends on it depends on the person. It depends on the club. It depends on you know like um, uh, I have some clubs that tell me that they will never book me because it's okay for that stuff to come out of a man's mouth, but not a woman. Mm. And I send them a great big fuck you, you know. <laughs> and uh, then there's other people that go, oh god, it's just another typical dirty female. They're like, and I'm like, okay, sorry, I never got married. I don't have kids, so I'm not going to sit up here and talk about fucking shitty diapers and making my husband dinner because that's the other side of female comics. That's all they talk about is their stupid kids and their stupid fucking husbands, you know, yeah. whatever. It's like, but um. So I'm like, yeah, it's like, so I don't know. I guess I'm just so like, hey, man, this is my life. This is, you know, just and again, the way our minds think like stuff, you know. And that's that's a political side of comedy that just drives me nuts. It's like I just wish bookers and everybody would just look at comics as funny as funny. It doesn't matter if it's coming out of a male, female, what race, transgender, gender. as 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 long. Yeah. As, as long as it's funny. Like, who cares whose mouth the joke is coming out of? Yeah. If it's funny book it yeah you know yeah and, and exactly. sometimes you got to be beyond yourself even when it comes to that you know because there's times out there where i'll watch somebody and i'm like you know i, I, don't, I don't get it I, I don't really get it but at the same time the crowd is loving it you know right and in le- as long as they're not you know doing completely hacky bullshit you know yeah it's like well you, you know there's there's no one arbiter one oracle of what is funny or not you know it's it's all subjective so yeah exactly you know if there's- it works it works there's some comics out there that I like, and then there's, you know, it's like, again, it's like just who, whatever your taste is, you know? One thing I hate about the comedy scene, and I don't see this much outside of L.A., but maybe the big cities I see it in, this is where I see it, and it drives me nuts, how comedy clubs don't really do diverse shows. They do, you know, like Mariachi Mondays, which is an all-Mexican show, <laughs> then Collard Green Fridays, which is all, or Sundays, because that's when they normally do the black shows, which... That's that's messed or, up. Well, what is that? The, the comedy <laughs> but, store does chocolate Sundays, and that's yeah, an all black show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but I, I was Sundays. gonna say the names of the shows, but I didn't really want to oh, ban yeah. myself from the clubs. But yeah, but <laughs> but it's like it's you know it's like I think I'm one of the few bookers in LA that look at my you know my show because I book a show and I do the Van Nuys Comedy Club at the Springbok in LA, and I never do an all black night. I never do an all Mexican night. I've done an all female night before because. You know, Please don't ever book me for one of those. You're, you're definitely you're headlining <laughs> next time. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, but it's like I always look at my shows and even all female show. I never do you know all one race. It's like it's it's mixed because I believe funny is funny and that's the way comedy clubs should be. You should yeah. never, you should never have one race, one gender. It's like you know it should just be a blended show 
where you get the point of view from everybody as long as it's funny. Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah, you get a, a, a broad array of people. And yeah, people you know experience things, go through life a lot differently. And you're going to get something from a little bit different perspective. You know, that, that same take on that situation that might have gone one way for you might have gone completely differently for somebody else, you know, of right. a different race or whatever have you. So. What time is it? Sorry, I'm just thinking because we have the show in a little while, so sorry. Yeah, we got it on lock here. We're good. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, What do you guys? What's your guys' take on the LA scene? You know, is it uh, oversaturated? Ninety percent of the people that pick up a microphone have no business doing it. Really? Yeah. And most of the people that are getting the big gigs don't deserve it. They're not funny, but because they um, are friends with somebody famous or wrote for a TV or show or something, it's like you get up and watch these people and they are unwatchable. They are the cure for laughter. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like if you ever have a problem with somebody laughing too much, put that motherfucker on stage. You'll shut that, la- you know. Do, do these people, do they come from far and wide or are these just locals who just said, hey, I'm going to get this thing a crack? Everything, it's everybody. Everything, yeah. But here's the thing that's pissing me off about the LA comedy scene. Um, the big clubs are no longer just booking funny or what you just mentioned. It's also social media turned into a cancer for this because if some asshole puts up a video of a cat and it gets 10,000 hits, all of a sudden they're booked as a comedian at a club because they could fill seats and they're, they have yeah. no business being on stage because they put up a cat video. You know, it's, it's, it, it destroyed it. Yeah. Puts asses in seats. Well, okay, For here's another perfect example. My uh, roommate was on that TV show or whatever. She's getting ready to film another season. Yeah. And she, I got her into doing stand-up. But the thing is, she she's probably got maybe 10 minutes. And she's got some stuff that's all right, you know, whatever. But, you know, we were talking that, like, she's probably going to start getting booked to headline these big clubs. And she goes, if that happens, I want you to be, like, my opening act. Right. I'm like, so what? Am I going to come out as your opening act and do an hour? And then you're going to get up as the headliner and do 10 or 15? You know what I mean? But it's like because she can put asses in seats, she's going to get booked to probably do like a nationwide tour or something. And hell yeah, I'll ride her fucking coattails. But you know what I mean? (laughs) She's lucky to have someone like you, though, because there's so many people that do reality TV shows. In fact, I'm not going to say the specific girl's name, but she carries around a dog and was on Last Comic Standing. But uh, like people like that that win those shows who are not used to doing an hour you know or anything like that all of a sudden are thrown right into the fire and it kind of destroys you for a minute because all of a sudden the clubs are looking at you like you're supposed to know how to do this yeah you know you're just on this big thing yeah you know and you know the club owners don't know the backgrounds of that you know these are just regular joe schmoes you know comedians auditioning who are used to doing you know 10 15 minutes in a big city and not used to the road well and to and to do good on those shows a lot of times like you have to have those like handful of like four five minute bits where you know it's just punchline 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 punch, and you're just yeah. and you're just cranking it out you know yeah. and it's like and it's like you know that works in that little small segment but to go do an hour uh good luck with that you're gonna come up short here really quick you know and that was like the the first guy that won uh last comic stand and that was like uh, was it? I think it was Dat. Was it Dat Fan? Dat Fan. Yeah, he was the first one to win it. And you know, I'm not saying that he wasn't funny necessarily, but his the the kind of comedy that he did was like perfectly tuned to that show. You know, the three to five minute bits, and you know, just a bunch of punchlines. And yeah, you know, the people just ate it up. You know, and then that's it. But it's like, well, you know, okay, that's five minutes. You know, you just try you get, stretch that out. That might be a little bit difficult. But I have a 
funny that fan story for you. Yeah. So I was at the Hollywood Improv, and um, that fan walks in, and another guest walks in the back of him. He doesn't know it. So all of a sudden, everyone starts applauding, right, in a bar and in a restaurant area up top. And that fan thinks it's for him. And he's going, oh, thank you, thank you. Then he turns around. Rodney Dangerfield's in back of him. Oh, shit. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Made him oh, feel yeah. really tiny. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield. Jeez, it was a rough one, you know. <laughs> I, uh, I have a funny Jeff Ross story. So yeah. Jeff Ross is all over. He's, I mean, he's, he, you can tell he loves his celebrity. You know, he's always coming out and wanting people to take pictures with him and kiss his ass and whatever. So we're at the comedy store one night. And you know how when you're at the comedy store, you have to like walk around back to use the bathrooms or whatever yeah. down that other hallway yeah. or whatever. And then there's an entrance into the one room. So when you're standing there waiting for the bathroom, you can see who's on stage in there. So anyways, I'm standing there waiting to get in the bathroom. And uh, this chick comes up to me and she goes, oh, you're a comic too, like blah, blah, blah. We started talking. Well, then Jeff Ross comes around the corner and he's just standing there with us. And I go, uh, hey, Jeff, can I get a picture? And he was like, yeah, of course. So I hand him my phone and I put my arm around her. I want him to take a picture <laughs> That's of me. That's hilarious. And he's like, oh, you think you're really funny. I was like, actually, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's good. You, roast, you roasted the roaster. Yeah, exactly. I got him. I once did that to a celebrity and didn't even realize it. Uh, uh, Bob Dylan's son, who was the uh, lead singer of the Wallflowers. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he's a client of mine, Jacob Dylan. Okay. A client of mine at one of my uh, gigs that I do weekly in, in L.A. So um, <laughs> I'm at a bar. He's there. And I just randomly walk up to him because there's this girl there that I want to take a picture with at the bar. And I'm like, hey, man, can you take a picture? He's like, yeah. And he's getting up ready. And then I hand him my phone. I'm like, can you take a picture of us? And all of a sudden, you can see him like kind of shrink down a little. Like, how dare you? Yeah. Then someone came up to me later on and was like, dude, that's Jacob Dylan for the Wallflowers. And I was like, oh, that's hilarious. That explains a lot. You know? You're like, oh, you, didn't, you didn't even know who he was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guy really knows his way around a cell phone camera. Yeah. One of my friends said that he was in New York one time, and uh, it was him and his buddies, and. Um, and the one guy is he grew up with like Dave Matthews or something like that, you know. So I guess they were going to like walk into this bar and they let everybody in except for Dave Matthews. They're like, sorry, man, maximum capacity. You can't come in. And he's like, I'm Dave Matthews. And they're like, I don't give a fuck who you are. Like, you're not coming in here. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. You brought up Dave Matthews. Actually, I saw him on Tuesday. Really? Yeah. I was working and I had to make a delivery at uh, Roosevelt High School in Seattle. And I was like leaving the office. I, I just talked to the lady and I was leaving the office and he like came in from the other door and I kind of did like a slow double take and he kind of gave me the eyebrow like, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you know who yeah. I am. You, you, yeah. you know who I am. I know why you're looking at me. So I was like, oh, shit. But I didn't want to go back. Oh, yeah, can you get a picture of me? You know, I'd be that fucking guy. Yeah. Because I, like, I don't really give a shit. I mean, I've been to the, the concert a couple times. And so bad, let but. me yeah. ask you something. I've always wondered this because in L.A., we're so used to being surrounded by celebrities because it's part of our job. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. you go to the big clubs and stuff. You're always running into people. So it's not a big deal for us. And that's why I didn't pay attention when I said Jacob Dylan because, you know, I don't I don't become a fangirl. Yeah. So uh, what is it like out here, like in Seattle and stuff, when you just randomly run across somebody? Is it like a huge deal? I mean, honestly, I'm not like the best person to ask this because you don't care. I, I don't really get starstruck. Yeah. yeah, it's just a person like, uh, yeah, that's a successful person and they're, they're famous and people know them. But 
it's just a fucking person. I mean, who knows? They have some dark shit in their life probably that right. they're struggling with or that kind of stuff. So, um, other pe- in general though, it is kind of people get really starstruck, you know, like you see like, or you see like a player from like the Seahawks or something and you're like, Oh shit, you know, but it's just like, you know, I, like I saw him and I was just like, Oh, Hey, what's up Dave? And he's like, hey. you know, he gave, him, gave me that look. So it, it is weird for a lot of people and be like, Oh my God, you know, yeah. but I'm, I'm just never that guy who's going to be like, Oh my God, I gotta, I gotta get a picture with him. I, I gotta see if it, it's like, no, I, I, I just, I feel like I'm that annoying asshole, you know, who's asking the same question that they get 87 times a day in their normal life. And they're like, dude, r- really right now? You know? So I don't know. That's good. Though. Who's That's uh, who's the one celebrity that you think you would be like, oh, you're 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 like, because mine's Jack Nicholson. I love. Oh, my God. Jack if I saw Nicholson. him, I would probably not be able to speak. Like, I would probably faint. <laughs> That's a that's a good question. Um I don't know. I, you know, I, I can't even like think of anybody really, to be honest. Like maybe some like famous singer, maybe, you know, maybe if you I don't saw have a specific famous singer that you like, if I saw, ice, to if that. I saw ice cube like that, I'd be like, Oh shit. Okay. You know, like I, I like ice cube a lot. I actually, when I was in Vegas a couple of years ago, I actually um, met Charles Barkley. Oh, okay. You know, so that, that was actually pretty cool too. Like he was like part, he was like partying, having a good time. Yeah, that was the that was the same night I was telling you actually when I passed out at the strip club. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, was, that was earlier in the night. So. Okay. But at least you remembered it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least I still had my wallet. Yeah. Nothing, nothing was in it, but uh, but yeah, and that was funny actually because that night too, another guy. You guys aren't really basketball fans, but another guy, Robert Ori, was uh, was there. He was a guy who used to play for the Lakers and stuff, and he went to he like went to the playoffs like every single year he was in the league. And it was funny. He was talking. There was like all these hot chicks around him, you know, talking with whatever. And I saw him, and I just, I just knew it was him. I don't know why. I just knew it. So I went right over, and I just made a comment. I was like, I was like, dude, I was like, you don't know how many times as a child you ruined my life hitting a gigantic shot at the end of the game. All right, <laughs> like there was games where we're like, don't leave Ori open, don't leave Ori open, and they pass him the ball, sinks the three, game over. <laughs> Sonics out of the playoffs. I'm just like, fuck. And I, and, I told, and I told him that, and he was like cracking up. He started laughing at it and shit. And then I just was like, hey, good to meet you, man. You know, and just took off. You That's know? awesome. But, but you know what? The way you react to celebrities uh, is the best way to do it because these people coming up asking for autographs they're not memorable to them so the fact that you just go up and say something small mm-hmm. next time they're in town and you're around you're going to be the one they remember exactly and it's like you saying with jeff ross like that he'll, he'll that'll probably stick with him you know yeah well that'll he put, checks me burn. out every time i see him you know yeah. i'm just like yeah I'm like um oh what was i gonna say um uh, when I met Ralphie May, I told him about how my dad's always going, Ange, take this Ralphie May joke and blah, blah, blah. So he and I had a good little chuckle about it, you know? And I was like, of course, I would never steal anybody's material. Right, I was right. like, but my dad just doesn't get it, you know? I was like, but he loves you, you know? Yeah. So did you know, um, now that he's dead, I guess we can talk about it. A friend of mine, um, and you know him too, used to open for Ralphie, um, Tommy Tellerino, used to open yes. for Ralphie on the road. Yes. And... Um, he said that Ralphie would lift up his fat rolls and stuff his weed in there and travel like that. And they would never bust him in the airports. That is hilarious. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's like, he would just lift up a flap of fat and there'd be a fucking half ounce, you know? <laughs> hilarious. I guess nobody really wants to get in there, especially those TSA Yeah, workers, exactly. You know? You know? Pulls out his water and even now, where they the make side. you lift your arms, like, I still don't even think that would have made anything move on him, you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, he, he lifts a, a, a sack from one side and a water bong from the other. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, pulls out the bong. Where'd the bull piece go? Yeah, right. He like lifts up an elbow it's, flap. It's and there's, still, it's there's still in there somewhere. Papers or something. It's still in there. <laughs> oh man, that was that was pretty crazy. I mean, I mean, I guess you know, 
guy like that. I guess he had been losing weight, um, but just well, he did for a while, and didn't yeah. he get the surgery? And he, I swear, he lost like a hundred pounds, but then eventually, I think he just kind of slowly put it back all back on. Well, I mean, and also, I mean, when you're that heavy, of course, losing anything helps, but it's like a hundred pounds is not going to do it. No. You know, my dad is really heavy right now, and he needs to lose probably like two hundred. You know, he just he let himself go a long time ago. Yeah, yeah when he put that much stress on your heart and stuff, it's oh, like you, your you whole body, do, man, yeah. your joints, well, yeah, your you ankles, can, like pre-diabetic. Oh, like, yeah, God. Yeah. Well, what is it they say? For every one pound you lose, it relieves four pounds of pressure off your knees. Really? Just one pound can do that. Yeah. Wow. I've just released like two hundred pounds of pressure off my knees. So like I've I've been not eating so well for the past, you know. So it's like I'm losing weight. So it's I was wow. noticing you look like you had lost weight. Thank you. I gotta keep this manly figure. Yeah. Yeah. The ultimate diet. I'm gonna go back. <laughs> not and... eating. Yeah, it's, it's called uh, comedy life. Depression <laughs> yeah. on a road. It helps. <laughs> just, just You're like crying in a water bottle and drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, rocking in a cold shower. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, we got a case of water. Come on, we're we're living it up. Yeah, here, you know, we got it covered. Oh boy! All right, well, uh, we should probably wrap this thing. You know, we got to start getting ready for the club here. But um, Angie Crumb, Billy Betts, you guys, you know, I can't think of two better people to sit in the Sukumal suite with and enjoy a nice weekend on the road, you guys. You're just trying to get my pants. Uh, you know, we'll see how, yeah, maybe you don't have to leave so early. Yeah, you know? Maybe yeah. you don't have to leave like, right after the show. You know? <laughs> maybe the church function's having an after party downstairs. Yeah. Let's go that's introduce true. him to Satan. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Uh, thank you guys for being here. Appreciate you guys. And, thank you. It was uh, fun. Yeah. And thank you guys for joining us on another episode of An Earful in the Emerald City. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Hope you enjoyed this one. Episode number 98 i believe you guys 98 so we're creeping up on that not important number of 100 but uh thank you guys for joining us we appreciate it and we will talk with you guys next week